Would you like to turn your passion for copywriting into a six-figure income? Then listen up because the man I'm about to interview did just that. Now, did he have a background in marketing? Did he have a background in copywriting? Did he have a degree in English or know someone who knew someone who gave him a break? Nope, none of that. He worked in recruitment and he had no copywriting experience at all. Now, fast forward 10 years and he's running a very successful digital marketing agency and he's got some amazing clients and he gets to work with the best of the best thought leaders in the coaching and services sector and he absolutely loves what he does. And it all began when he completed my short course in copywriting all those years ago. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. I've been training copywriters for over 20 years now, and I've helped over 10,000 freelancers launch their careers. And one of the benefits of being around so long is you get to see how your students go. Nikhil Ruggiani is one of them. We've kept in touch over the years, and we're now even working together, which is just wonderful. And it makes me so happy to know that just one course can make a really big impact on a person's life. If you'd like to learn more about our copywriting courses, check out writerscentercomau forward slash essentials and discover how you can learn a skill that would deliver you a six-figure salary doing something you love. Nikhil, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Really sweet. Nick, we've known each other a long time, so maybe just talk us through how you actually met me. Okay. Uh, in a really, really quick summary, someone once told me I should be a copywriter, and my first response was that, oh, my God, that sounds boring. Um, and I didn't realise I'd actually been doing copywriting for most of my career. It's just I didn't know there was a name for it. But when they kept insisting that I really had some skills, I should look into it, I googled copywriting and saw your website on google uh, and that's literally and then I, I think i just picked up the phone rang you up and said oh i want to find out more about this copywriting and you sent me some samples and i was like wow this is really really cool um i didn't realize i've been doing this all this all my life i didn't realize there was a name for this type of job i'd love to be able to do this full time uh, and that's really how i started and what is it that you believe copywriting is? Because it, it is a secret occupation, you know, mm, and a lot of people mm. listening may still be going, well, I'm still not sure. Well, so how would you describe copywriting in a nutshell? Well, that is such a good question. And that's copywriting is the bridge between sales and marketing. That's what I look at it. Right? The sales people, they love their sales. The marketing people love their marketing. But copywriting is, is, is the bridge between sales and marketing. It's what helps clients to get from where they are to where they want to be. And it's not just in that written form because we use the copy where we, you know, we do video commercials or we do TV ads or even on YouTube, but the basis is all in copy. So it's the ability to be able to take, you know, someone who is, gosh, you know, having a problem and showing them a clear pathway to the solution. Yeah, a very, very clear pathway, almost like a colour-by-numbers approach. That's what copywriting is for me, right? It's a colour-by-numbers approach to take someone from their pain to their, you know, their, their wow experience. And talk us through your career path, Nicole, because it's quite interesting. You've had a significant corporate career, but then you yeah. ended up having a six-figure career with copywriting. Yeah. And, and that was a bit of a surprise to you. It's like, wow, I can really make some decent money here. Talk us through how that journey occurred. Yeah, yeah. So I came out of university um, with a double degree in political science and philosophy, and no one really wanted to 
pay me to drink red wine and come up with good ideas, right? And no one wanted to elect me overlord of the universe. So I ended up taking um, taking a job in customer service while I was actually a freelance journalist for a heavy metal music magazine, right? And at that time, the internet was in the infancy. Like literally people had only just started hearing about the internet. So when I went to um, the editor of the magazine, he said, we should put up a website. He goes, okay, do it. And that was literally my very first piece of copy was when I wrote the copy for that website. Didn't even know that's what the job was. I just put up the website because I kind of taught myself. Um, about a year or two later, I actually got offered a job to work for a, uh, you know, in, as a staffer to a government minister in New South Wales. Uh, and that's where things really took to the next level. I had to put all that persuasive writing uh, and, my, and my ability to be able to research into play. And all of a sudden, everything I studied in political science and philosophy, you know, came in handy because you need to be able to research. Um, when I decided to leave politics, because it really wasn't where I wanted to be, I uh, ended up going into recruitment and started off as a trainee, literally hammering out ads. Uh, again, copywriting, but I had no idea that there was a job called a copywriter and uh it was so funny because my job ads i was told by the marketing manager were the highest rated on seek and i thought he meant within the agency the recruitment agency says no no actually on seek so i'm like wow cool and um oh he it's, it wasn't really hard from my perspective right because they were writing the most boring job titles like software engineer or C++ programmer. And I, I remember my very, very first job title that I wrote was with a job like this, who needs chocolate, right? That was literally what it was. And I had the highest hit rate. I mean, come on, that's going to stand out, right? And it's a question headline. Let's be frank. You're using your formulas before you even knew. Before I even knew. And that's when that was the marketing manager told me, you should be a copywriter. You've got real skill there. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds boring. Tell me I should be an investigative journalist or a, you know, a novelist like, uh, you know, JK Rowling or something like that. That sounds glam, right? But a couple of years later, when I was actually training new recruits how to actually write ads, he says to me, can I sit in on, on your training? I'm like, oh, okay, sure. And at the end of that, he comes, he puts his arm around me, he goes, Nikhil, I told you this a couple of years ago. You really should consider copywriting. And that's when I said, okay, let me Google it and find out what this copywriting thing was. And so that's where I literally came across your website and the rest is history, right? As they say. Um, and this is how many years ago? We've been in touch for a long time. How many years ago? 2010. Was that? That was, yeah. So it's been what, yes, this 12, like 12 years. years. Yeah, 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 it's great. Yeah, it's uh, so, Nikhil, talk us about the, the, the career that you took. You, you set mm. up a digital marketing agency and you started up with yeah. one client and then you ended up with 600 clients. I mean, that's a fantastic yeah, record. Yeah. I was, um, so I was working in recruitment and I, uh, at the time I wanted to become a life coach. Uh, and, you know, while I could sell recruitment, I was no, I had no idea how to sell coaching. I mean, how do you, you know, you can sell a chair to someone. It's pretty tangible. How do you sell coaching? It was very difficult at the time. And life coaching had just, again, just launched. So around that internet time, you know, the life coaching just started taking off. And I thought, I want to do this thing. And I epically failed. And I realized it's because I didn't have the skills of actually sales and marketing for, for coaching. So as I went on that journey and started writing out more and more copy, this is when I literally launched my career as a, as a freelance copywriter while I was winding up my coaching business um, without even trying. Literally, I went to, a, a, took your advice, Bernadette, went to a BNI meeting, said I'm a copywriter. Uh, and the spiel was when someone says, I'm a copywriter, all right, websites, newsletters, brochures, and things like that, right? Advertising and things like that. I literally use that line. I made in my first three months of not even trying, I made nine grand, right? Um, and that was like part-time pitching that while I was winding up a, a failing coaching business, right? 
So, and I was like, oh, wow, there's something in this copywriting thing. And what was freelancing, what, from 2010 to about 2013, um, I got picked up by a couple of like big corporates to do some of their marketing copywriting for them. Um, companies like HP. Uh, so, I, you know, my, with my background in technology recruiting, they thought this would be fantastic. So I helped HP, uh, you know, to grow their you know, their own revenues in a particular stream of big data and analytics. Um, I ended up working with uh, another comp- tech company which p- picked me up and using just, again, everything you taught me, I'd gone from uh, taking them from a zero revenue stream uh, for five years into a $180 million pipeline within 12 months, right? Um, and that was, they'd been struggling to get themselves off the ground and a lot of it just came down to message articulation, you know, things like that. How do you clearly and articulately explain what it is you do? So, and while I had those big whales, I still kept working with coaches because I realized I had a skill that I could share with them. Uh, and I went from, you know, life coaches and I started adding business coaches and then business consultants. And it's literally grown into uh, business services is who we, we've been servicing for the last, gosh, well, that's about four or five years now. Um, coaches and consultants still very, very much a sweet spot. So if they come to us, we've helped coaches like do some amazing, amazing things. Um, and really just help them to articulate their value, demonstrate their points of difference in their message. Because when they're confident, it's easy for them to then make the sale, right? Uh, and so, yeah, I was just saying to you um, a little bit earlier that, you know, it went when in 2013 when I launched the agency, uh, I sent out an email to everyone and said, look, I've done this for 300 people so far. I'd now like to formalize it and start an agency and I'd like for you to be one of my first-hand clients. And they, you know, I got seven clients out of the 10 messages I sent. I remember it very clearly. Um, and about three years I checked in, it was about 600 clients was the number of clients that we'd service. So, you know, really proud of that. And a lot of that was honestly just from referral. Uh, you know, this this stuff works. So when, you know, your business advice still rings true to date. I've, you know, I remember the very first coaching call we got on uh, and you said, go to B&I. And I've just kept going to networking events and just kept pitching that. And, you know, people just keep referring business to me. And then their, their suppliers come to me and, you know, one yeah. coach sent me her business coach and she, she got picked up by Mind Valley. And, you know, after, you know, we did all of her copy and stuff. So I was like, wow, we've got some amazing results with people. So the coaches are a sweet spot, but we're doing it across, you know, business services and professional services as well. Yeah, and that's really hard. I think those those coaching services are, are quite difficult because there's mm. it, it's not a commodity, but there's a lot of similarities and it's about mm. the points of difference, which are really hard to tease out. But there's a few things I'd love to unpick there too, Nicole. Firstly, mm. you you talked about going to networking, right? And I yeah. do say that a lot and people get freaked out because they go, oh, networking, I hate it. It's not me. I don't want to sell. And I know that it's not about that. It's just about turning up and just about listening and yeah. asking, being curious, being empathetic. And then they tell you your problems and there's scripts, of course, which is what the, the whole training is about, is giving scripts so that you don't have mm. to fumble this through yourself. Yeah. But um, do you think sometimes, or what would you do differently if you had your time again? I mean, it sounds like you've had a very successful career anyway, but for people listening who maybe are a bit reticent to network or a bit reticent to believe in themselves, what, what advice would you have for them? Um, don't make it about you. That's the first thing. If you start going to networking thinking that you've got to pitch yourself, don't. Go in there to build good connections, good relationships, and really be of value to these people. Like really show them that you know you're on their side and be on their side. Like don't just say it, don't just give them lip service, like really be on their side. And I guess 
earlier when I was going out to networking, I was like so excited and I'm a very excitable person, right? So I, I get super, super excited and sometimes I get verbal diarrhea. So I just go on and on and on. But I think the biggest key, the biggest thing I do differently is just really make what it is I do, what I say I do, just really tight, really crisp and simple for people to understand. Just make it so simple. Um, and, you know, you don't need to complicate it. I mean, just what you said earlier, like, you know, I I help people with their newsletters, websites, brochures, advertising, things like that. Still gets people over the line, yeah, yeah? because they understand that. And when you make it about them, you make it about how they understand and they have a need and they want to make more sales. And it's not even them, but even their contacts want to make more sales and they want to attract more clients. And you can talk to that. That's just hands down, you know, it's a winner every single time. And I think it's also just going. You know, I think people complicate, you know, people complicate what this copywriting is all about. It truly is a service. It's useful. It's helpful. It's kind of good fun. It's well paid. You are helping them survive and thrive. You know, it's not like we're a dentist taking out teeth and making people pay, you know, which I love dentists. They're very needed. But no one likes going to the dentist, right? But everyone likes to get good copy. Everybody likes to have a business that that survives. So I, I guess what I would just add to that conversation is people do overcomplicate it. It is as simple really? wow. as having a business card. And people go, why would you have a business card? We're in the digital world. Have a business card. Have a business card. Right? Because yeah. when you are talking to people, and we are talking to people now, you need to give them something, right? So that's point one. But point two, you don't even need a website. Just put your phone no. number on there, your name, your email. The, the website can come later. In the meanwhile, you've probably got three clients that will pay for the website. But also just turn up somewhere online to a council event, to a BNI, Business Networking International, if people are wondering yeah. what that is. Um, often those things are free because you're just guests, you know, at those early stages of those networking events. Mm. And then just have that little crisp intro lined up, talk, wait for them to talk to you, ask them lots of questions. And before you know it, and you give them something back, you know, if they say, well, you know, Facebook marketing is something I really struggle with and you've got an ebook or some kind of check sheet that you can give them. Bingo, you exchange email addresses and you've got that person potentially on your database that you can market to and, and, and help. And even if they you can't, help them with something else. Maybe they need a graphic designer. Maybe they need a web developer. Even if you can't give what you need, give them something that's valuable to them. So because, as you well know, clients come back a year later, three years later. I've had students come to my course five years after they've met me. You know, so it's not about the immediate win. And that's the other thing I say is keep the big picture in mind. Keep the long-term vision. This is not a quick win. can be. But often, if you have the right mentality, this is a long-term business that you meet one person today, they turn up two years later. Oh, I 100% agree with you. I, I don't think I could have said it better, honestly. Like everything you said, Bernadette, is everything I did. Like, and it's not difficult. Sometimes, I mean, if we're overcomplicating it, I, I rocked up to the BNI with a, a, a business card printed on Vistaprint, right? And it just literally said, Nikhil Rigani, copywriter and had my phone number on there and an email address, and that was it. That was it. It wasn't fancy. I mean, my business cards now, they look pretty swish. I've just got to find some. Um, they look pretty nice. Like, they've got little waves and they've got logos and stuff like that on there, but it's still got the basic information. I didn't even have a website. And a little bit of a secret right now, as a bit of a demonstration to people, I still haven't even updated my website because I show them that as a copywriter, you're in demand. People really want you. They don't care about your website. I think I've had over the, what, the last 12 years I've been copywriting, I think two to three people have only asked me. You don't need to complicate. Just go out there. People want you. People need you. 
That's right. People, um, I think students get a bit obsessed with their portfolio and yeah. they get obsessed with having a gallery and that's mm. all important. But you, when you meet someone, they generally are buying you and they, they might look it up as a secondary reference point, but they, they're not n- using that as a criteria for choosing you. They'll choose you because they like you. You've yeah. made them feel good. You've given them some information. Yeah. And you've got that rapport going. Now, let's distinguish if you're working for agencies or creative recruiters, different story. They definitely will see a portfolio. But we're, we're talking here now about freelancing, and, and mm. that's a great skill to have. It's great to be able to get the work from the freelance recruiters, right, but it's good to be able to get your own work. One, you keep all the money. Two, you choose who you work with. Three, it's a lot more um, sustainable, right? Mm. When you mm. are portable as a business machine, as a rainmaker, you can go anywhere, right? Mm. So let's talk about the message articulation because I know that you feel quite strongly that um, not only do you help clients do that, but copywriters need to be able to articulate their own value as well. And even yeah. offline, we were talking a moment ago about copywriters coming to you, wanted to be get work, and they were charging $10 an hour. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Tell, me, tell yeah. us about that story. Oh, look, it's, I get it frequently where a lot of people come to me and say, Nikhil, we'd like to freelance, right, for you, you know. Um, but, I mean, this last week I've just had an unusual amount of people just come and say, Nikhil, do you have any overflow? Nikhil, would like to do some work for you. I'm like, okay, cool. So the usual question is, okay, what have you done? What do you specialise in? What do you like doing and what are your rates, yeah? Um, and one gentleman um, told me, he's like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm happy to do it for 10 bucks an hour. Uh, and I, I literally, like, I, my jaw dropped and I was like, oh, my gosh, why would you do that? Um, why would you? I mean, you're, you're fixing people's businesses. People put their heart and their soul and they're willing to trust you to do an amazing job for them. And it wasn't that like he was a bad writer. It wasn't that he didn't know. He didn't have the confidence to go out there and say that, you know, that he can make, he can help people out with this way. So the first thing is message articulation, I think, as a copywriter, you need to be super clear about the value you bring. You need to be super, super clear that you're not just going in there and writing stuff for people. You're transforming their business. You're helping them to generate leads. You're helping them to make more sales. You're helping them to become a bigger authority within their pool of, you know, or their industry. That's invaluable. And the fact that someone trusts you to do that, having built a business over 12 years and built it, I'm sure you agree with me, it becomes your baby. Like, you know, you become super protective of it. Like, it keeps you awake at night. I mean, that's the type of stuff that we talk about. When you can give that over to someone who's put their heart, their soul, their blood, sweat and tears into something like that, and they say, go make it shine, like, that is an honour and a privilege. But that means they trust you because they can't do it themselves, yeah? So don't charge 10 bucks an hour because you're not only devaluing yourself, but you're devaluing the whole profession of copywriters, yeah? Um and it shouldn't be a race to the bottom. It should never be a race to the bottom. And by, for example, there's copywriters in the United States that charge 15 grand for a sales letter plus commissions, yeah? Just to give you an idea. Uh, and if we're charging 10 bucks an hour, it's like, that's massive gap. So we're worth more than 10 bucks an hour. I've had people say to me, Nikhil, I'll do it for free just to show you how good I am. And my response has been, don't do it for free. I'm happy to pay you. Um yeah, so I get a lot of the, um, yeah. sorry, Nicola, I, I just say I get that a lot with students too, that they, um, yeah. you know, senior executives from banks, senior executives mm-hmm. from insurance companies, finances and and tech companies who, who would never dream of doing anything for free, yet when it comes to copy, they want to do it for free. And I go, that's fine. Like if that really just takes the stress off you needing 
to be brilliant and needing to be accountable, mm. by all means do it for free. But I do say you've got to get to fee quite quickly, but also the work you put into this piece will be the same whether you get paid for it or not. Because I, I know this person, I just know the value and the ethic they have. They're going to put mm. the same amount of work in whether mm, they're paying mm, for mm. it, whether they're being paid or not. And I say, so the only difference here is your belief in yourself. And the okay. minute you start to get that belief, that's when you start to charge and you'll start to see that clients will go, okay. And you get shocked because you go, oh, they said yes, because you're not expecting it because we yeah. enjoy doing it, right? And it's almost like because yep. we enjoy doing it, we think we shouldn't be paid for it or we think it should be devalued because we didn't have a hard time doing it. So yeah. there's a yeah. whole weird world of mindset in here. Yeah. But what do you say to someone who, who struggles to articulate their value, what kind of scripts or little hook lines or taglines can you give them that they can sort of write down, sort of scrambling around as to what you have seen works? Mm. Um, first and foremost, know the problem you solve. Okay, so if, you're, if the problem you're solving is helping people's websites to be more articulate and it's helping them to be more professional, that's a problem that you solve, right? Know that, know that really clearly. And then look at the pain of this problem, right, that it's having for your clients. So if by not having a good website on there, it makes them feel like they're cheap and it feels like, you know, clients don't trust them, then understand the value that you're bringing to them is professionalism, but also building trust, building authority and converting more inquiries, right? So know the problem you solve and know the pain that the problem is causing. Because I think that's, that's going to make a massive, massive um, difference, right, for your clients. Um, the other thing is always talk about them first. Never talk about what you do, talk about what they need, yeah? So if I turn around and say, oh, I'm a copywriter, it's very different from if I turn around and say, hey, I help you to generate more leads and close more sales. It's very different. It has a whole different feel to it. Most clients don't care how you do it. They don't care whether you're writing copy or whether you're, you know, you're, you're going to put a marketing campaign or anything. They don't even care if you're doing interpretive dance as long as you get them the result, right? And that's what they want to know is what's the result that you can get them. So if you make it that simple, what's the problem you solve and what's the result you get, that will just make life a lot easier. That's what I've found. And, and Nicole, just on the bit about the, the money side, mm. uh, just, just to give an example, um, and for people listening, this, this can be helpful too if you have a little bit of confidence to do this, but... Um, when I do ghostwriting, for example, and they're fairly big ticket items and the clients get a bit of a shock, right? I've got to be honest, uh, because I've never hired one before. You know, they've never had to engage one. And then what I say, and you could use this with copywriting too, is I say, okay, just have a figure in your mind about your daily rate, you know, what you would charge yourself out at. And, you know, it might be $100 or 5000 a day or 10000 a day, whatever it is, it's not relevant for this discussion. But I get them to think about that. And generally, they're quite successful executives, you know, multimillionaires ex exited with billion-dollar exits, you know, so I'm talking, you know, very successful people. And, they, and then I say, okay, so take my fee and divide that by your daily fee, and that ex it works out to be, say, 16 days, let's just say. So if you think you can write the book in 16 days, that's good. You go and write it because that's a good use of your time. If you don't think it could be done in 16 days, well, then maybe, you know, it's wise to outsource that. So suddenly they're going, wow, my day is valued at this. She's charging that. Therefore, this is going to cost me so much more if I don't engage her. You know, so it's kind of a different, you're flipping the script a little bit. You're getting them to value yeah. their own time. And yeah. it's the same with copywriting. Would you agree? 100%. 100%. And here's the thing. Most people think they can write. But you and I and everyone listening know that there's a difference between just writing and writing copy, right? 
So, yeah, I would say you need to be able to, if, you, if you're looking at people saying, oh, my God, that's a lot of money, um, well, you've also got to then tell them, hey, look, you know, you could write it yourself, but isn't that's not your expertise. It's like going to a chiropractor and cracking your own back. You wouldn't do that. Like, who does that, right? Your expertise is going out and, you know, striking million-dollar deals. You should go do that, right? My expertise is making you look absolutely brilliant in front of your clients, you know, in the written form so that you're professional, that you're, you're, you're articulate and, you know, you can go and close those million-dollar deals. So let me do that. Um, most people get that when you put it in that light. It's like your time's worth more than just writing the copy. Go ahead and close those million-dollar deals. That's what that's what you're good at, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah. So talk to me about systems and processes because you're very skilled at having um, these these sort of dashboards, if you like, that mm-hmm. enable clients to come on board and everyone knows what they're doing and when. Can you talk us through what how you've created those and what they look like? Yeah, okay. So it starts with us. Um, it starts always with a brief, right? The better your brief, the better your copy. So I cannot emphasize enough just how good your brief needs to be. And, and this is something I tell my, my team members all the time. The quality of the brief is always going to determine the satisfaction of the customer, right? And at the end of the day, we want it to get results. So you need to, you need to get to know not just your customer, but their customers better than they know themselves. So it starts with that. So we... I started literally when I was doing this as my own, on my own as a freelancer was just going and asking all these questions and fantastic questions. And I thought, okay, well, let me start having a checklist, a proper checklist of, of things that need to be asked because I was realizing at times where I relied upon my memory too much, things get a little bit sloppy. So have like even a, you know, a spreadsheet or a, you know, a checklist or something in place. Then went from a checklist into actually having a, a proper document in place and I'd actually get the clients to fill it out with me. So rather than me completing the brief, I look at the clients to do it and then based on the answers, I would dig deeper, yeah? Um, so we still do that. Now what we've done is we've taken it from a worksheet. We've actually put it into our, into our project management system. So clients have got a simple link. They click on the link and they go and they actually do drop-down forms. They do checkboxes. They write in little paragraphs and then we go through and do a second review with them. Um, just to dig deeper. So that's really to get things like, okay, tell us a bit about your project. Tell us a bit about what you want. Tell us a bit about, you know, your ideal client. What are their pains? What are their challenges? Then what we do is we want to get the client's story. So how did you get from where you were to where you are today? You know, what took you there? What's the, what are your passions? Uh, Bernadette, your, your 20 questions uh, that you shared with us are just absolutely valuable and I still use them, right? So we go through and we do a, com- a complete deep dive. Like we don't skimp on our briefing process at all. Like this is one part where we say, if we get this right, you will never know how to hear from us until we come and do the presentation. So we go down and we do a complete deep dive into their story and understanding what their values are and their motivations. Uh, and then basically depending on the project, we'll, we'll, we'll take project-specific briefs as well. Um, the thing that we then do after that is once we've got the brief down pat, we actually do a complete audit for them as well as part of that briefing process. So we can say, okay, we'll review every single one of your, your channels, uh, whether it's your website, whether it's your social media, and we will you know, score it to show you how effective it is. Yeah. So what we're doing here is we're planting seeds for future work. But by the same token, we're building trust with them at the same time. It's like we're not just here for a quick come and write something and go and see you in two years' time. It's like come in here, let's have a look at where else you can improve. This may not be a priority because once we then identify where those gaps are, we then prioritise them for them as well and say this is what we think you need to work on first. 
we've gotten to that point where right now we were listening to some of their salespeople's calls recording and we were like, wow, some of these salespeople really need sales scripts. So we would copyright sales scripts for them and things like that as well. So that type of help is like super, super training. I'm uh, sorry, it's super, super valuable. That type of training and help is super valuable. So I get so caught up and excited. Sometimes I eat my own words. Um, so the processes that we go to, it really it starts off, let's take a killer briefing. Let's run an audit across all the different various channels of lead flow and sales, yeah? And then let's prioritize them and show them where the lowest hanging fruit is, yeah? So where can we get quick wins? With some of our projects will not be done in like two days. They won't be done in two weeks. Some of this may take like a couple of months. So let's look at where we can get them quick wins. So they feel like, wow, I'm getting value from this immediately. So we go and identify those, we go and implement them, and then we start developing out the main project as well. Whilst at the same time, planting seeds for future projects. So that's that's how we've been doing that. Very um, clever. Do you charge for the audit? We do. You we do. do, yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, so we we have that as a, and we explain that to them that our very first month, we're going to be so deep in research. Like if you don't get a single piece of copy out of that, that's normal. Yeah, because research takes up about 70 to 80% of our time. We need to know you. We need to know your client better than they know themselves. Like we want to be in a position when we're writing your copy, it's almost like we're predicting what they're about to say, where we're finishing their sentences. Like you do with, you know, your partner or your kids, you can, you know them so well, you can finish their sentences. We want to do that for your clients. Would you like that? Absolutely. Well, that's why we do this research. It's why we take such a deep briefing. Yeah. So we do charge them for that order. Um, but their, their experience of it is just, wow, we've learned stuff about ourselves that we didn't even know. We've realized just how flawed our processes are. We can't fix all of them. And that's when we then bring in some of our trusted suppliers as well. Like, you know, it could be a web designer, it could be a graphic designer, it could be a, you know, a, a business coach, whatever it may be. We bring in the people that they need. And so then they see us not just as a copywriter, but as a partner in their business. And that's the position that we want to hold with every single one of our clients is we're not just here doing a bit of work. We're actually a partner. You know, your win is our win, you know. So we I think long term. as a client hearing that, it's music to their ears because mm-hmm. you have identified the problem, which is we're not getting enough sales or not getting as many as we should. We're not yeah. amplifying or, you know, being the best we can. And you've said, okay, well, let me look at this. Let me look at where the gaps are, where the holes are. Let's plug those. So mm-hmm. you're not even selling. You know, you're just saying, hey, this is what we see and this is what we can do. Do you want us to do it? Yeah. And that's why I love yeah. that sense of this getting rid of the sales mentality that you've got to sell a client. It really is just identifying the problem, amplifying what that will cost them and getting them to see the value. Yeah, 100%. That, that's what it is. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever had to put in a hard sales pitch with clients at all. You just need to show them this is what's wrong, this is what you're capable of doing. Um, and also then just highlight that if you keep going down this path, this is what it could potentially look like, you know. The other thing, and I just want to add to that, Bernadette, is that clients will often come to you saying, I need website copy, right? And I learned very, very early on that clients come to you and say they want website copy. And I wrote them brilliant copy, like I reckon it would be award-winning copy a couple of months later. And this was just repeatedly happening. Clients will say, Your web- the website's not working. I'm like, what do you mean? Is it not loading or something like that? No, what they wanted was not website copy. What they wanted was leads, 
Yeah, what they wanted was more conversions. And then I realized, okay, well, you need a website copy. You also need, you know, an opt-in piece or an lead magnet to go with that. And that's what you need as well. Oh, you also, once you've got that, you need landing pages on which to serve that. Oh, you need ads written in order to drive the traffic. And now you've got a whole ecosystem. So in a very respectful way, most clients don't know actually what they want. And so part of this briefing process is for you to help identify for them what it is they want and need, you know. And that's respectful and it's yeah. honest and it's authentic. And you're not yeah. saying you have to do it, but you're saying, I'm not going to write your web copy because it's not going to do the job that you want it to do. Let's just step back and look at the bigger picture here. Mm. And when they, and let's be, let's be fair too, if you're a, an accountant or a yoga studio, <laughs> you don't know this, right? Why would you? I don't know how to do my tax. So why would they know how to write copy? So mm. we have to realise we've got a skill and a talent and some knowledge that's really valuable that other people don't have. And I think that gets in the way too. People think, oh, they must know this already. No, they don't because they haven't been studying it like you yeah. and I have. There's, there's a term for that, isn't it? Imposter syndrome, I think that's what it is. That, oh, everyone knows it. I'm not good enough to charge this money or everyone knows how to write copy. Well, the truth is they don't. Yeah, they really um, don't. There was a phrase that I heard, Bernadette, which I think is really worth sharing. It's um, your first language is their third language. Oh, I like you know? that. Yeah. Is that what you know so intimately well is like mind-blowing for them. Yeah. Yeah, but we're so close to it, we don't realise just how valuable it is. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's really interesting. It's like fish don't realise they're in water, right? It's just mm. around them. But that sense of copywriters who sometimes go researching when they want to build their websites, I'll say, be careful when you research your own business because you'll see, because you're looking for it, hundreds of copywriters. And then you think, who needs another copywriter? Why don't I just give up right now because the market's too saturated? It's like, no, that's not the case at all. You're looking, therefore you're going to find it. So be careful. Keep your mind on the on the sort of the track of just mm -hmm. researching certain things so that you don't get despair. You don't feel despair because you will. Yeah. And the other thing I say is, but, most people aren't researching copywriting websites, you know, three hours a day. They're doing their thing. So this mm -hmm. world is a mystery to them, right? And you are a gift to them. You are Absolutely. a solution, right? Yeah. So don't go in thinking everyone knows about copywriters and everyone's got one at their disposal. They don't. They often don't even know where to find one. They don't even know what they're called. No. So that's why a I perfect thought, example of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it still happens, you know. It still happens, yeah. People go, oh, my God, you mean I can get paid to write? I can work with clients that I enjoy. I can ask questions that I like. I could be nosy. I get paid to be curious. I can deep, you know, deep dive into something and then skim across and never do it again. Mm -hmm. uh, the projects are short-term or long-term, depending on what I prefer. This is a job made in heaven for a lot of people. And when they discover it, as you did, yeah. They go, yeah. wow, I didn't realise I could be paid to do this. Yeah. I, I mean, just to give you a bit of an example, I've this is seriously the dream job because it's like I, could, I, I did it while I was in Sydney, in Brisbane, in Melbourne. I did it while I was travelling throughout Europe. I did it when I was, you know, um, you know, with my partner visiting her family in Mexico. Um, I did it while I was in India, in Africa. You can do this job anywhere. Yeah. You know, all you need is a, a laptop and an internet connection and maybe a phone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that feels like a really good way to end this, Nikhil. I'm so proud and pleased that you've found your way into copywriting. You're very, very good at it. You've got a beautiful manner. I can understand why clients keep coming back because you're all heart and you always put them first. So thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Oh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. It's almost like, you know, it's kind of where I started from as well. So thank you so much. And I mean, your mentorship's just been invaluable. You know, I couldn't have done it without you. So thank you. Thanks, Nikhil. So there you have it. 
articulating our value as copywriters is one of the hardest things to do because it forces us to value who we are and what we're worth. But if you follow Nikhil's advice and the scripts, you'll find that it's not only working and gets you more money, but it gets easier as you go. Practice really does make perfect. If you'd like to learn other important skills that will help you launch your copywriting side hustle, check out Copy Club, Australia's newest and most dynamic community for novice, emerging and experienced copywriters. Get access to mentoring, feedback on your work, a Facebook community and a comprehensive learning hub filled with every template, checklist and script you need to build your copywriting business. My quote of the day, when fishermen can't go to the sea, they repair their nets. And following on on that nautical theme, here's my joke of the day. What did the fish say when he swam into a wall? Damn. And on that note, I'll leave you all the best and bye-bye.